Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I actually met my wife on CatholicSingles.com, if you can believe that. Really? And about Yes, I had never done that before. Didn't have any problems with dating. Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox. Alana Berg, and with me as always is Father Ian Van Heusen, and we're going to be discussing the Corpus Christi Sunday. How are you doing, Father Ian? Doing well, Alana. Good to see everyone. Um, yeah, it's a, a interesting, uh, interesting events, interesting time uh, to be preaching and to be thinking and to be teaching. Uh, you know, I am very fortunate, I think, that as a priest, um, I have an audience and I get to express my views. Um, I, I think one of the things I just, I think one of the things we can start off by saying is that um, listening to people and, and employing empathy is incredibly important in this time, um, listening, to, listening to the people, um, having good conversations. Um, but that being said, you know, what is, in Corpus Christi, I mean, this is like at the heart of what's been going on for the past two months, right? What is our relationship with the Eucharist? Uh, what is our relationship with its role in our lives? Um, is it essential? Is it not essential? Um, how do we understand what it does for us? You know, cause I think this is some of the questions that are being asked either explicitly or implicitly because the, 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 the line has been for our own good. We need to fast from the Eucharist for two months. Of course, priests and bishops don't fast from the Eucharist cause we can celebrate mass privately whenever we want. But that, that, that was what was asked of the laity, at least, um, in many quarters of the church. And it does raise some interesting questions, and it raised a lot of interesting situations. Now, um, I will say this. Um, I continue to give communion at ECU Newman. I don't know if I should be making that public confession. I felt it was the right thing to do. I felt like uh, that's what I needed to do. Well, we can talk about this a little bit more and kind of flesh it out, but um, difficult times, Alana. It's not, I mean, it's, I, you know, I will say this. I am profoundly happy, like happy's, I don't know if it's the right word, happy, joy. We use these words and joy can mean a few things. Happy can mean a few things. 
joy can mean like I'm joyful because I just had a nice steak and I have good company and I feel rested because I'm on vacation. Um, it can mean joy can be found in a lot of things. I will say, well, this has been the most difficult period of my life in many ways. Um, this has been the most fruitful. Um, it feels good to be a priest right now and to be with the people. And, and it, it like, it's a happiness and joy that is way better than any vacation, you know? Yeah, totally. It feels like a forced um, desolation almost, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like wandering the desert. Like we're going to, we're going to hear about and read about in the, in the readings today, like we're being tested. We're trying to find our, our joy. We're trying to recognize, learn how to recognize the consolation that we can recognize. You know what I mean? Think about our thinking, think about like what is important. Think about how our relationships are going to survive in some points. And um, the, for me, like one of the greater consolations I was just able to have was I was able to go to uh, one of the transitional deacons or ordinations the other day. Mm -hmm. So that for me was just such great consolation, you know, to be able to do that. Absolutely. Curious, what was the homily about? Um, the homily was about being ordained. A deacon. <laughs> a deacon. A deacon. <laughs> so it, it was like, there wasn't anything particularly moving about it. Yeah. Yeah, it is really fascinating. Is um, I've said this before. I've said it openly. It's interesting right now. Uh, a lot of preaching, a lot of content. It's almost like there's nothing going on, you know, like some of these homilies, if you pull them out and like, oh, my, my you're frozen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that half hour to mark. Yep. Um, but if you, if you took like the homily out of context, like you would have no sense of like what was going on in the public sphere. That's how it seems to be happening. And a lot. Also, his name is Joshua. So they, so they kind of played into his name and him being called to lead and stuff like that. So you know, okay. with the name Joshua. So that was, you know, part of, Nice. It was, it was more personal for him. So that was nice. You know, that was a nice touch. Gotcha. gotcha. So let's get in the reading. Yep. Okay. From Deuteronomy, Moses said to the people, remember how for 40 years now, the Lord, your God has directed all your journeying in the desert so as to test you by affliction and find out whether or not it was in it was your intention to keep his commandments. He therefore let you be afflicted with hunger and then fed you with manna, a food unknown to you and to your fathers, in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. Do not forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery, who guided you through the vast and terrible desert with the seraph serpents and scorpions, its parched and waterless ground, who brought forth water for for you from the flinty rock and fed you in the desert with the manna, a food unknown to your fathers. So this is a reading for our times, it feels like, just to remember God in the midst of this desert that we are in, and that he allowed us to feel, at least the laity, to feel the hunger for Christ, 
in the body mm -hmm. and blood with our with we were not we were unable to receive the eucharist we were unable to receive him and then now we are most of the country i think are starting to be able to come back to mass and how grateful hopefully we all are to be able to do that yeah i'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen i'd be curious to see what happens in the next five years as a result of this it's i, I don't know for certain you know i think there's a sense that trials and temptations and, 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 and the idea of the desert experiences, and this is the idea of the retreat. And a lot of times people think of retreat, they think of it as like soft and oh, like spending like a month in the woods. That must be so peaceful. And you've gotten a little bit of a taste of what it might be like to spend a month in the woods by yourself. It, the isolation and the, the quiet it amplifies, it's like a catalyst that amplifies the voices within. And if you have issues, so I, I'm now at five parishioners that have had major breakthroughs slash repressed memories slash stuff they never talked about. It's all come to light that like the past month, like pretty dramatic stuff, beautiful, awesome healing. But basically in this crisis, it just was like, it was like a catalyst. It was like heat. It just, Kind of, is my battery about to die? Is that what no, it says? I can't see. Let me pull it up. Maybe. Yeah, you know, give me a second. I got another battery. All right. Oh, Let's yeah, it says. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cute. So, right. but I think, let me, let me, while you're doing this, let me say, so I think that, that in the next, even in the short term, it'll be really interesting to see how people respond, to see how people come back, to see yeah. um, what, what the response will be in the community but there's everything is happening so fast right now and culture our culture is just like freaking out on multiple different levels that mm -hmm. uh we are able to uh, it's if you're not able to respond in the moment if you ha don't already have this ability it's extremely paralyzing yeah so um Agreed. you just put you you put the zoom on gallery just give me a second all right oh, <laughs> so they can oh. still see you <laughs> so i'm talking so they wouldn't see you and now they can see oh. <laughs> or see sorry it's frozen let but let me let me try to figure this out real quick i okay. thought this battery was charged i thought it was technical difficulties there's always the tech demons right <laughs> no we have oh, to yeah. deal with so let's see if that works please work so dang it that's ah, all right you have Oh, no. Just use your regular. Yes, it worked. Oh, thank goodness. No, I just, I hate that. And <laughs> if you have the sweet stuff, once you, like, once you go, once you like see Paris, it's hard to go back to Kansas. No offense. <laughs> nah. That was funny. Uh, actually, actually, it's probably, for some people right now, it's probably Kansas. Once you've tasted Kansas, it's hard to go back to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like once you've tasted Idaho, it's hard to go back to the big cities right now because we are much more safe here than in other yeah. places. So, yeah. <laughs> so, All right. yeah. So, so back to the, I know you're still dealing with the Yeah, keep talking. Camera, I'm, I'm listening. But, but back to the reading oh. about, about, wandering around and allowed being allowed to be afflicted and being tested in in this time of 2020 it feels like this is definitely a year to remember i've never 
ever felt been in a situation like this before. So this is like, I feel like a lot of people are in that position and a lot of people are at each other's necks and being tested yeah. and a lot of things I just want to say, Oh God, forgive me. Cause they know not what they God forgive them. Cause they don't know what, not what they do in a lot of these situations. It's just so it's scary for some, mm. some of the things that are, is going on. Oh, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Sorry. Let's technically real quick. Am I, am I good? You're good. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, now I know to have extra batteries on hand, but yep. um, no, it's just, it well, as you're saying, it's a crazy time, VUCA environment, volatile, uncertain, changing, ambiguous. And, uh, you know, I, I feel, I, I feel like a lot of bridges are being burned. A lot of, yeah, I mean, a lot of bridges are being burned, a lot of um, bad feelings. But, you know, it's funny. Like, did we all used to say, like, you know, you're not made for comfort, you're made for greatness. <laughs> like, we, we, we all love those sayings. Like, we put them on T-shirts. We're like, yeah, dude, I'm hardcore, man. I'm all about the suffering. That's yeah. really funny because that is actually a quote that came up in my memories on Facebook today. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Apparently, yeah, today is the day see, to think see, about it. You don't see so many people quoting that right now, do you? No. Just I, me. Which is funny. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that Jesus said that people are not quoting, right? He who uh, we're quoting, um, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Um, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. You know, one of my personal favorites to he who has more will be given. I, I, that's uh, been a big theme of mine throughout all of this. And like I've been saying is, is it, I mean, every the crisis is a catalyst. Um, some, some people have run and hid. Some people have turned selfish. Some people are somewhere in between and, and there's a minority of folks that ran into the, the burning building. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so, it's so difficult. And it's also when it comes to grace, especially he who has will be given more, you know what I mean? He who has the ability to respond to grace will respond yeah. in, yeah. in greater capacity. Well, there, there's, I mean, Jordan Pearson does a real number on that, um, that, like that particular passage. Now there's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's actually, there's a, a kind of secular wisdom in that too. Like you look at the companies that are thriving and um, they just adapted quickly, and, you know, and to be fair to the church world, I, it almost seems like it's a law of nature, like the, the bell curve kind of thing. Um, a lot of the way things have unfolded has been kind of like a bell curve. And, and I mean, as much as the church should be better than that, or, I mean, the church, we like to think of it as a spiritual reality, completely different and distinct from this world. The way the church responded is pretty much how every other industry group of people responded. That is, there were some who were adaptive, awesome communicators. There was actually a minority. I mean, have you picked up on it from businesses? Like, uh, have you seen in your area, like, that the restaurants won't open? Even though they're, like, we're two weeks into restaurants being open and there's restaurants who still refuse to open up. I've not heard a refusal to open. Or they just, they just they're, they're crap together. Like whatever, however you want to, I mean, I don't know yeah. if they said like we refuse to open, but they're just not open. Like right. there's tons Our of businesses. so like, low though in terms of actual COVID infections yeah. and death that it's actually, most people are, 
there are some people who are like require you to wear a mask, but most people go around with no masks on. Yeah, same same with Greenville. Same with Greenville. But uh, but see, you're not like I'm a priest, and I spend a lot of time out in the community. I eat out a lot. I like I'm out a lot because you don't really like you don't are constantly going to coffee shops, fast food restaurants. You don't you don't do that on a regular basis, right? No. So yeah, and I do. So I have a little bit. I mean, that's one of the things. Actually, it's it's something I probably shouldn't do or should do less of, but it is a good thing as a priest because it does give me a good pulse on what's going on around town. Um, that I am out in in the town a lot because I, I I can't cook. I just stink at it. And in the midst of this crisis, I'm even a worse cook because I'm not. I just can't think about it. Um, <laughs> so, um, anyways, as I was saying, and like yesterday, I had five masses. Yesterday, I was covering for a few people. Um, so I had like five masses. So, you know, I have a few minutes to eat here and there, but a lot of restaurants, uh, first of all, businesses down in Greenville, which is kind of fascinating. Like people just generally aren't going out to restaurants. And then a lot of restaurants are still closed in Greenville. And we had two deaths. There's very limited restrictions. Um, and, but it's really fascinating. Some places were open the first night. And they wore no masks and they were just prepared. They just were, they just, they're on top of it. And then others. So, I mean, when people are getting frustrated with like the church, statistically, the church is actually very similar to what everybody else is doing. Like there's the, you know, the classic early adapters, middle group, and then late adapters slash may never adapt kind of group. Right. And it's across the board because you could also say that when it comes to the how the church has been doing digitally in yeah. the in the and how they're reaching people and all of that. Um, I mean, because right think... now there's I mean, I, I, I even heard it said like three or four weeks ago that some of the parishes our diocese were grumbling because they're like, we just figured out how to live stream, like, <laughs> you know, and do it effectively. Yeah. And now it's like, OK, do we need this anymore? Yes, you do. And the actual answer is yes. But yes. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and here's the and, here's and crazy it's thing. it's hard. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing I'm adapting to for campus ministry. My outside prediction that I'm kind of brainstorming and predicting is that outdoor events are going to be really popular um, in the fall, like September, October, like depending on yeah. your region, outdoor events yeah. are going to be big. So I'm thinking about- I think that's, that's a good thing too adjust to right now, like learn how to be able to do that now, especially in the summer where people are used to being outside anyways, yeah. you know. But yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, people always look at me like I'm at two heads that I'm like thinking about September, like everybody's kind of like, can you just relax, you know, it's summer? I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> um, That's what, you know, it's about being in the beginning of the bell curve, right? And in, in the, yeah. in being prepared to pivot whichever way you need to pivot in, you know, in yeah. response to like what kind of is thrown at you and like what, what's going to happen before September, who knows, but at least you have a tentative idea of how you're going to approach what, what is possible now. Yeah. That's so. the things if you actually brainstorm it, there's really not a whole lot of options, right? You know, I was starting yeah. to just talk with people about um, it's going to be a year for a lot of creativity. We're also talking about doing like digital, um, digital online, like confirmation retreats. Um, what we normally do in person, have a digital component or do a combination live and digital component. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, we'll have to, I mean, we'll have to blaze the way in, 
in that, you know, and then it'll be something that we learn the next few years if it works or if it doesn't work or, you know, but at least we'll be trying to do digital things. Yeah. And allow, you know, and doing outdoor things that you prepare for, like with, with the sprinkler or misters and with like the, um, the area heaters yeah, in order pitch. to, you know, to make people comfortable outside wherever you are and also bring them together in a way that's a little bit more safe, depending on where you are uh, with what we're yeah. dealing with. So, yeah, and I, I do generally believe, so the interesting dynamic with the campus ministry, another dynamic right now is that everybody is seeming to try to outdo each other with like safety precautions. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that's going to be a dynamic where it's like, you have to be as safe as possible, especially if you're a big public institution, because if you're not as safe as possible and people get sick, then like you didn't do enough. Even if there's not any statistical evidence that your measures are changed one way or another. So it's going to be, it's going to be a weird dynamic, I think in September, mm -hmm. August, September. Um, it's going to be, uh, and some schools are opening no as normal. Some uh, universities I've heard. Yeah, I remember it depends which one. On whether they're private or public or um, a lot of it probably just depends on the leadership. I mean, Liberty University actually never closed, right? It was kind so, of crazy. Yeah, it was. So um, do you think that we're being tested? Do you agree with that? Oh, heck yeah. Reading that, oh, heck that yeah. This is a test. Will you, will you do the command? commandments that the lord is is has commanded you to do like and back then obviously it was the 10 commandments and now it's 10 commandments and you know the two combined with the two greatest commandments and to go forth and proclaim the gospel and baptizing people and teaching them everything that he told us right so that's yeah. the and i think a dynamic with the, the desert with the desert experience and with um with the cross is in the back of our minds, I think all of us have the idea of being tested in a difficult circumstance and rising to the occasion. I think we all like to believe we would do that. Um, and we have some intuition that we would be able to do that. Um, and like, if you pulled the people like six months ago and said, in the case of a deadly disease, would you be courageous or would you abandon your loved ones? I think we would all put ourselves in the courageous category. But then what happened was it hit. And you see with the desert, the thing hits, and it's just not what anybody expected. And I, I think people always kind of, I, I, I think early on, even myself, I was like, I wish this was like the, the 13th century when it was just like, you just, you, you, you feel like there was more certain in the past, but I don't think it ever was. I think that's the nature of crises, um, the nature of how the enemy works. Um, that crisis is always I think, unexpected. I don't think that people realized how delicate a balance our life is, especially in America. You know, like how delicate it is if you if you take away the planks that are underneath us, that we actually will fall into chaos. You know, yeah. and how how delicate our our social balances, how delicate our um, economic balances, um, and our health balance. And how all of that works together for our good, um, and how it can be taken away, and then how do you respond when this is taken away? Yeah. So, but if you're ready yeah, for the next, yeah, oh yeah, ahead. let's get let's get. Well, I was gonna say, I was, yeah, you're right, and the chaos, the chaos of the situation is just complexity of it. But I do believe 
And this is the wisdom of St. John of the Cross and the wisdom of the, the contemplative saints. If you came into this COVID crisis and you had a continuous habit of stretching yourself, of being flexible, learning new things and adapting, if you had that mentality before, this is going back to, the, to those who have more will be given. As crazy as this all was, it's like a new challenge, right? I mean, I, I talked to you, I, I, like I was saying in the beginning, this has been an awesome two months of my life. Like when I look back on what I've done, I look back on uh, like, it's kind of exciting and fun. It's like, heck yeah. I was able to do some cool stuff. I was able to like be there for people. And, right. Like yeah. you were tested and you feel like you didn't completely fail. <laughs> no, <laughs> so it kind of goes, <laughs> it kind of goes. And I understand, and I'm very similar. Cause for me, you know, my whole, interest in like what does it mean to be resilient in the church and how do we train people to be resilient in the church and like I was already studying that before this happened and I and we kind of rolled it out to some of the catechists and the directors and we were like by the way we're thinking of this before this actually happened it just kind of got rolled out in an unexpected way (laughs) you know so it's like but it's but we I've been thinking about like how do we respond and how do we prepare to respond to craziness in our life. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely with you. And it's like, if you were already in the mindset of resilience and how do you act in this area, this whatever we're in chaos, you know what I mean? Like how, how are you to be joyful? How are you to know that the Lord is your God, how, you know, and to trust in him and have hope. Like that, this is like so important, yeah. you know, in what terms you, of resiliency. You, yeah. And what do you think, I think the, the one of the things I've I've often thought of myself and my leadership style is I've heard it like in places like Google, Facebook, um, tech companies, they, and, and like maybe a little bit Amazon as well. They talk about um, like a creative chaos, which is like because uh, at Newman and and like Art of Living Well and this stuff. I think we've all experienced, everybody who's worked with me experienced the fact the boundaries are not always clear. Lanes are not always clear. Expectations are sometimes communicated well, sometimes not. Um, People are given wide latitude to make mistakes. We're generally pretty forgiving and we adapt lightning fast to lots of things, right? Mm -hmm. Man, I think that's kind of like the leadership environment that we've always had working together. But I don't think it's and with lots of communication, lots of empathy, right? But like a little chaotic, like oh yeah, and and that's okay. And I don't think that the lack of specific uh, boundary delineation has been in the negative sense. Yeah, exactly. So it's been more like okay, if you can't do this, it's okay. Like that's okay to have that boundary. Yeah. Otherwise, let's. Oh no, no I don't mean ahead. personal boundaries. I mean like between jobs. Like, right. Okay. Like there's nobody, like when we all work together, there's nobody who's just sitting there saying, well, everybody else takes care of that. I stay in my lane kind of thing. And I kind of encourage people, even right. on leadership, it, it, even if it's not your job and you're sitting there thinking, well, what's going on with this? Like ask, like don't. Right. Because in some organizations, and this is where um, your typical parish, I think really in the church world, a lot of leaders and a lot of people in the church world get very big on routines and like stay in your lane, not a lot of communication. 
not a lot of creativity, very fixed. And like after a few years of competency, you almost get in a groove. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think to some extent that's necessary to yeah. have in your life. The, the, the structure of things is necessary and to understand and be competent in what you're actually supposed to be doing, but also being able to collaborate in communication. I think the lack of communication and, and the structural politics silos, you know, chaos really is what undermines if you're, if you're not keeping like Mm. a head on, uh, you know what I mean? If you're not responding to things as they come and you're just a lot of, yeah, a lot of parishes, like they don't encourage you to say something if you see somebody else in somebody else's lane or somebody else's like to offer opinion on something where you're not directly asked or you're not directly referenced. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, um, I always, I always try to tell people like my whole saying I tell people is if you're sitting there wondering, does father Ian know this or is that Ian, father Ian prepared for this? I say, take that as the Holy spirit and say something. Yeah, that's true. Cause yeah. just asking is not, you know, going out yeah. of your lane. You should be like, you know what? I just thought of this. Did you think about this? You know, like maybe it is the Holy Spirit, like saying like maybe Father Ian needs to be told this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I should broadcast this, but even if I knew something and thought about it and like, um, and I was on top of it, I always thank somebody for the reminder. Right. I never say like, oh, I was on top of that. I was already like, I almost make it sometimes seem like I hadn't been thinking about it, but even when I have been. Like when I text you. And I'm like, so we're we doing literally, literally live today. And half the time I was thinking about it, and half the time I wasn't. <laughs> but, but I have the same response either way, right? Yeah, and it's been like, okay, cool. It's a yes or a no, and and I I know that you are thinking about it, and then we can be on the same page. And it's <laughs> you know, it's better than me getting all ready and then you forgetting or yeah. not being ready or unable yeah. or no internet or whatever. Well, that's like self knowledge too, and like your team and like learning how people communicate and how people respond and yeah. and finding out all, that your boss is like fly by the seat of his pants and kind of like, you know, I mean, I look at my calendar. I'm like, what am I going to do today? I don't know. People have joked around about that. They're like, you don't know what you're going to do some days. I'm like, no, I don't. Got to live, leave that space for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll have like things scheduled, like my secretary's schedule. They'll be like, Oh, I'm meeting with so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's all right, wait. Good. Father uh, Vitalis said, thank you both for all you do. Thank you, Father oh, Vitalis, for being so supportive. Yeah, good to see you, man. Um, okay, so second reading, 1 Corinthians. Brothers yeah. and sisters, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because the loaf of bread is one, we, though many, are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. So, St. Paul and his rhetorical questions. <laughs> yeah. So. I actually talked about this. I talked about this last weekend, uh, the unity around the Eucharist and the unity that comes from the Lord, right? That's the, the challenge is the unity in yourself and in the world has to come through the grace of Jesus Christ. That's a, that's. That's not saying that everybody else is totally depraved, but you're not going to, you're going to, you're going to have to find the answers in the, in the context of mystical union, your relationship with the Lord. But yeah. yeah. And, and how 
being one body, especially in the partaking of the Eucharist, mm-hmm. how we are to respect one another and love one another because we are all one in Christ. Not because we're just one, but because we're one in Christ. We're one in that union and how most of the time we don't act like it in in the world. Most of the time, you know, there's tribalism and for other reasons, right? I think a lot of it boils down to is um, what do you pay attention most to? And I think um, I have seen like it's, you can, one of the, the, the challenges right now when you're doing like with the kind of ministry I'm doing and kind of preparing people is you kind of know the sources you can kind of hear the sources that people are paying attention to and and a lot of times people communicate in rhetoric right i mean that's kind of like a yeah sound bites sound bites yeah yeah um yeah and they don't yeah but well it, it allows for no nuance it allows for no conversation a lot of it is to really sh- shut down the other person in mm-hmm. in a way um there's some sort of like power grab and and how what we're we're called to do in christ and in partaking of the body and blood is to become christ-like to love each other in a self-sacrificing way and right now it it's hard to see in our culture agreed agreed i will it's say this if you ever if you're in relationships there is power in listening. Like listening is an incredibly important quality. And for years, I've always, I've always was frustrated in some of my relationships that I felt like nobody ever listened to me. Then I had spiritual direction and kind of helped me work through some of that. And then I have things like this co-host. Mm-hmm. And actually for the past like five years, I feel like a lot of people are listening to me. So it's a very good feeling. But for like when I was in seminary and I had all these ideas I didn't have anybody to talk about with them. I would just pull professors aside and have them listen to me. But as I've grown in freedom as a priest, I have found you are always in the better position if you can ask questions and listen. Um, it's generally a better place to be um, in your relationships. I agree. Uh, I, I That makes me just smile a little bit because the other day you were like, you've been listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes like, of course I've, i sit here and listen to you every monday <laughs> what well, is exciting well it's it's what was it somebody uh i heard a homily that like uh somebody gave uh somebody else um it was a deacon and my mom was describing it i was like that sounds like something i've said i'm like i wonder if they got that from me i was like oh well i mean at the very least they like they got the idea i was like Cause it's something I had never heard anybody else say that I, I've said where I talked about, you know, purgatory and healing and memories. I was just, I was just like, Oh, it made me feel a little good. You know, you're yeah. like, hey, yeah. Somebody you, else agrees. Like, you hear your ideas out there. Yeah. You well, know? um, and that's, I mean, I think that's the good news about, and maybe we're at a good spot right now with what we do is that, um, uh, we're, we're starting to taste that a little bit where we, I do think have an impact and that feels good which it's important to remember is like, that was one of the things, think about this for a second. Imagine this for a second, Alana. Imagine we didn't have any of this and we were just sitting in our houses and watching television for the past two months. Can you imagine? I would be terrified. Yeah. I would be terrified. Like the powerlessness you'd feel like, 
I can affect nothing. I, right. I have no power. I can't change nothing. Um, even if you had a job and you had money and food and all that, like I, I can talk to my family members, but you know, I love family members, but a lot of times family members always aren't always the best at listening. I mean, my family's pretty decent at it, but like you, there's so many people who just like the past two months have had all this stuff going on and just nobody to listen to them. Like, yeah. And, and the only way that they've been able to express themselves is through like Facebook rants or, or like an emotion out, emotional outburst on social media, um, which might not have been necessary if they had someone to talk to. The yeah. most of the people that I see that have, a, have the most extreme like emotional outbursts on Facebook are the people who are alone, are either friends whose husbands are deployed and they're alone with their children and they don't have any support, you know, like don't have a real support system within their house to be able to really verbalize what's going on with them. And then it comes out on social media um, yeah. or people who are single and living alone. And, and it makes the isolation makes you crazy. Right. So it's like, call someone, talk to someone, be available to talk to somebody. If you're not alone, you know, then going back to that, to those who have more will be given, you know, the people who came into the COVID crisis with strong relationships, the strong sense of being part of the body of Christ, um, that sound theology in the background, but spirituality, like a integrated theology, not just the ideas, but like a lived theology. And they often say theology is tied with prayer. It's tied with mysticism, but um, a true theology. And, and if you came in with that, all those relationships have just, they've just, I've said this a hundred times, they've just gotten so much stronger. And that's the idea of like leaning on the body of Christ. I'll, and, and, and in the sense of the body that we're all connected we share it in the Eucharist. I will say, I think we crushed it in Greenville. I think we did a really good job, but it was a team effort because I've, I've heard stories of, and if it, when I look back the last two months, if one piece had been off, it might not have worked as well. It's a delicate balance. Like I said, yeah, it's, <laughs> it really it's, is. Yeah. Every person is important. It's not just a cog in the machine. No, it, it's an important piece of necessary balance in your life to be able to like move forward and be creative you can't be creative if you're bogged down trying to figure out everything again because it's chaos right like there's no way to be creative in the chaos there's only survival (laughs) if there's not trust if there's not trust or buy-in because can you imagine that like somebody who's just punching and punching out before and they're they're clocked out right now i mean it was funny there's one company i i I gotta figure out how to tell this story without giving away who it is. Um, there was this one company where they had an independent contractor who was working for them and they needed some work done. And the department that, that, that needed the work done in, everybody refused to work. They're just so scared. They were scared, completely. Isolated, scared, refused to do the work. So this contractor, he was like the hero of the company. He's like the only one in that department doing any work and you know, um, cause he was the only one not scared, but I mean, a lot of times the, those things like, yeah, those, those, and I, and I've heard of like other contexts where like, I mean, there's doctors who are scared. There's doctors who are not scared. Um, you know, whatever it might be. And I, I just was really fortunate that 
I had the, the head of our hospital, Vidant, has been rock solid. Our mayor, our congressman, like the, the, the senior members of our parish who are doctors and lawyers and professionals have been so cool and calm. Like if any of those pieces hadn't fallen into place, if one of them was just like un- irrationally afraid, it could have shut the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that's why we can't allow fear to control us. Now, you know, of course it's important to take precautions and to, uh, you know, do what is necessary, but that does not mean be afraid and like shut down. Yeah, and, so. and me and Tim always go back to, me and Tim followed to a T the laws. We didn't, we didn't follow the media. We followed the laws. <laughs> like <laughs> there's a <laughs> distinction there. Like we did exactly what the law asked. We took all of the precautions. We took precautions. It's just, we, we adapted quickly and, and we are, and, and, and I had actually, believe it or not, this little boast, I had connections with the state office, uh, with the, the governor's office in North Carolina, some backdoor connections that I had and, um, and everything we were doing, none of it was condemned by a single authority. Every authority that we consulted and collaborated with wanted us doing it, liked what we were doing, was appreciative that mm-hmm. we were helping build up the community. Yeah, and had forethought to even contact them. Exactly. Because exactly. then, because then they under, they know that there's some sort of understanding there. And I think some people, in the eyes of some people, if they didn't know the backstory, um, they would probably think maybe we were being reckless. We were not, not in the mm-hmm. least, mm-hmm. not in the least. Under- we, yeah, agree. Yeah. So Father Vitalis says, "Listening is a virtue. It is a skill as well as as well, which is very important in every relationship." Okay. Yes. And the people who already had listening and communication skills have moved forward through this a little bit less scathed in terms of relationships, right? Yeah. Even though it's still, you can, there can still be problems and when people are frustrated, but are you ready to roll on to? Yeah, let's go into the gospel. Gospel of John. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, amen, amen. I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. Okay. So, bread of life discourse. By Jesus. So, this, I think, is the probably most scandalous thing that Jesus said besides that he was God um, and is the thing that we need to hold on to the closest, you know, while we cling to the cross in the midst of the storm, 
that this is the this is the life of the world this is what we need mm-hmm. conversion to christ being in christ through his body and blood soul and divinity through divine mercy in in his sacrifice mm-hmm. and how hard that is yeah. i mean it's not easy. it's not like he was proposing something easy he was proposing something scandalous to them and they walked away i'm believing so one of the things this kind of came to me i wasn't planning on talking about this talking about earlier with my sister one of the things that i've been struggling with lately is there's a few folks very holy devout folks i'm trying to help them to navigate if they're being called to contemplative prayer to contemplation i do believe the universal call to holiness is that we all should strive after contemplation. And what's fascinating about contemplation is it is kind of like a death. It is kind of, there's a surrender of it that's very hard to, it's hard to explain. And, it, and the saints have done a thorough job of explaining it, but still quite mysterious. It's like St. John of the Cross says, to come to the knowledge you have not, you must go by a way in which you know not. And to come with, to have what you... To come what you to possess what you have not, you must go by way in which you possess not. I think this death of contemplation begins and is solidified in a kind of death that has to happen with the Eucharist. Like when we gaze upon the Eucharist, there's a surrender. You will always one of the things that struck me as a priest, it's not like it like I know some people they they kind of make a lot out of certain mystical graces that people have where they always feel a sense of ecstasy around the Eucharist. And that, that, that's not a bad thing. But when I celebrated five masses yesterday, by the fifth mass, I would love to tell you that I had warm fuzzies by the fifth mass. But I didn't, right? I'm, by the fifth mass, I'm a little tired. Actually, I was still pretty pumped, but I was still tired. Um, but you still, you gaze upon the Eucharist as a priest celebrating mass, and there's almost a sense that you have to make a conscious decision to say every time, I believe God, this is God, like a feet, a foot from me. And there's a surrendering of the intellect that may not feel one way or another, may not even be attached to a dramatic feeling, but it's like a continuous death. And that's the beauty also of adoration. You spend hours before the blessed sacrament and you surrender your intellect. You say, what the, the senses perceive, I, I believe is God. Um, and I trust is God. Like, for example, we trust that the priest didn't like swap out a host that's not consecrated, right? You know, wouldn't be able to tell the difference, you know? Um, Unless you have some ridiculous gift of grace in that moment, right? Yeah. And that's and not the, I expected. Don't, I mean, it, and some of those graces, I think some of them are a little bit exaggerated, but people always think that that's like the heights of holiness. Now, the heights of the holiness is really the person who has a naked faith, that they believe, um, they believe even in darkness, or they believe even in struggle. Um, right. And that's kind of what I was, maybe last week or two weeks ago, when we were talking about, like, how I felt when I was, I had to wear a mask in mass, yeah. um, and how my fight or flight activated. So, Mentally, I knew that I was going through fight or flight and I knew that it was irrational. And I knew like mentally that what my body was experiencing was probably a hormonal injection into my bloodstream, right? Of, of fight or flight 
response for my brain. So I, but I'm ha- still feeling it. So I cannot rely on this emotion to judge whether or not what's reality in front of spiritual reality exactly. happening in front of me. And I had to actively say, like, when Eucharist was being consecrated, I had to act like actively say, like, this is Jesus Christ. You know, like, even though my body is freaking out, I know what's happening, and I have to like intellectually submit and and. Mm-hmm allow myself to just say like how, how I'm feeling is inaccurate to what's actually happening and how we can't really rely on our feeling, you know, rely on that feeling. Like if we have consolation, then that is a gift, right? That we can take joy in and have a joyful moment. But also when, when we're dealing with these emotional moments or these moments where you recognize that you're not being ra- like rational, like you, you recognize mentally that, what's happening physically isn't what what should be right you're not actually in danger but your body is acting like it's in danger um and how how to submit to that and how to recognize that and i think if you're not thinking about how to think or how you how you feel if you're not used to doing that in the moment it's hard to overcome in exactly that that's at the heart of freedom the way you described it is you know your 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 emotions are hijacked your body's all in chaos but deep down, there's a sense of what you need to do, what you believe, and what's at the, the core. Um, and that's, that's, that's a huge part of growing in freedom. Because, and, and this is, I mean, this is also the challenge. I think this is why the saints always said that we learn more from discomfort and the, embracing the cross and like try to be uncomfortable as possible. Because there is something about it. I mean, think about this. I mean, and I don't know what your experience of some of the things that you've had to work through. But if you're in the habit of extending yourself and being uncomfortable on a routine basis, like let's say you're uncomfortable working with the elderly as a priest. And let's say you have this spirituality of John on the cross. So you spend an extra visit. You spend an extra time with that person, especially when it's uncomfortable. Um, you don't like um, going to this kind of event and seeing this kind of people, but you do it because deep down, you know, you need to, if you consistently do that, where you go against the grain, you come into a crisis like this and you're, you're ready for it. Right. And you can recognize that what you're experiencing mentally or physically is not necessarily proper to the actual situation that's happening. Right. And then you can separate, you can recognize that in yourself. Uh, But that takes time. Yes, it does. That's, that's, that's the growth and freedom thing. Because early on, I mean, when things are good, we think when we, when we feel good, things are good. When we we're, when we feel bad, things are bad. I mean, yep. it's kind of basic assumption that we have when we're teenagers, right? But and that's like the kind of the mass of people, like the mass mob thought process of like just responding and feeling, right? Because yeah. the more people, the harder it is to really overcome that. So we have to like. In, in, the, in a certain way, be a little bit more individualistic in that way, I guess. Maybe I'm wrong, but. No, no, absolutely. Well, it, actually, the way they would put it, so uh, the way I would put it, like synthesizing a few different things I've heard, there's kind of a hierarchy in being, right? So personality and individuality, the higher you go in the hierarchy of being, the more individual a thing is. So God is completely unique, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, completely unique, three distinct persons, 
nothing is like God. Um, we, we participate in his goodness ontologically, but the, the difference between us and God is, is infinite. So that we say there's an analogy of being. So the differences between us and God, there's similarities and differences. The similarities are very, similarities are very small and that our goodness participates in his goodness and the differences are infinite. It's kind of a conceptual thing. But if you look at like us and angels, angels are more individual than us. And then us, when we operate according to reason, is when we're at our highest individual. When we operate according to our sense pleasure, we become like animals and we're the most predictable and we're, we're less individual, we're less creative, less original. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, more reactionary than... Yeah. Which is, I mean, which is when you get with teenagers, I hate to say it, but a lot of times teenagers are fairly predictable. It's, it's hard for a teenager to be truly original. Um, and normally when they are, they, they have a really ridiculously high IQ and they just, or they have, yeah, they have a ridiculous, but most part teenagers kind of, there's a certain conformity. Right. Well, they just rebel. Or yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's like different patterns. There's different patterns with teenagers, but I mean, the truly, the, the truly individual, to have an original thought that hasn't been thought before in some manner is exceedingly difficult, possibly impossible, but to be truly creative in a field is like, you have to master a lot, you know? Right, right. Um, so we have like uh, music, I mean, think about it with like music and stuff like that. Now, so every now and then you have like a teenager who's an original with music, but, or art or whatever, but- mm -hmm. Like yeah. it goes like through phases. Not even a sometimes. percentage of people. Yeah. It's like one out of a million. We have a, a comment from Father Vitalis again. He says, yeah. uh, the Eucharist and the sacrifice of the cross are are same. Christ gave himself gave us himself in both. Alana, remember the scandal of the cross. Because I was talking about the scandal of of the bread of life discourse and how he was left also the the scandal of the cross and how he gave he gave us himself himself there too and that's why i in that realm of thought is why i said in the like right after i read the reading is that I, we cling to the cross of christ in that reality right yeah. in, in the reality of us receiving body and blood soul and divinity of jesus and how it's necessary for the life of the world like right now the, the world is insane it is crumbling chaos it seems in certain places to the point where it's like i did never believed this would have happened in our lifetimes at all and right now i'm like okay well we need life actual life in this world and that's christ in the eucharist yeah and, and that's scandalous is, to say now <laughs> and the irony is for the past 20 years i think we've had unparalleled like prosperity like yeah but we've been told that we we are not have not been which is crazy. Which is interesting. Yeah. Or well, or, well, it's always like, it's always in comparison to, to something else. Right. Right. But if we compare ourselves to the middle ages, they would, they would be like, this is amazing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> plumbing. <laughs> Just plumbing would be like, well, even some parts of the world, like right. Africa, South America, like when I was in uh, Honduras, the, the big shot of town had indoor plumbing. Like he had, like, there's one guy who showed off the fact that he had a toilet. He's like, I don't have to use an outhouse. Like my family gets yeah. to use a toilet. And the toilet emptied into his backyard, but he still had a toilet. Right. Oh my gosh. 
I mean, but it was like, like how blessed are we? <laughs> but it's just it's interesting, yeah. Um, but which is why, generally speaking, immigrants have a very different perspective on America in general. Right. Um, but <sighs> so yeah. now that it is about time for us to wrap up, yeah. uh, why don't we pray for our country and pray for conversion to? Let's pray. I mean, let's also pray for the people who are, who are exercising their First Amendment. Just that that people will keep it safe, and you know, as mm-hmm. much as I I don't like to, I have positions, and when people voice the opposing position, it can trigger me a little bit. I all I can hope for for the next six months is that we at least don't come to the point of like shooting each other. That's, I feel like you know. it's too late for that. <laughs> but. But we can like. Pray and hope it doesn't continue. Yeah. Pray for for sanity. Absolutely. Humility. Yeah. All of that. Sorry. Go ahead. If our Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we just pray in a special way for all those who are protesting, for those who are voicing their opinions in the public square, for civility, for a spirit of dialogue. We pray for our church that we will be ever mindful of the necessity of the Eucharist for our salvation, and we will be ever be nourished by the body and blood of Christ. Uh, we pray for the repose of the soul of George Floyd, for all those who are discerning um, how our country should adapt to those circumstances. We pray for um, my bishop, Lana's bishop, for our pope. Uh, we pray for our cardinals and our bishops and our, our shepherds. And we ask you to bless all who will watch or listen to this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week. Take me to the fountain by sake It's welling up, it's welling up in me, me. Nothing in the, nothing in the world Satisfies Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www. Dot grimbeancoffee.com forward slash redboxmedia. Experience coffee like never before.